Every day we face hurdles in our life and problems that require new approaches or breakthrough innovations. In this podcast series, we're going to meet people that take audacious swings for the fence because they believe that changing the game is their personal responsibility. They believe it is up to them to be the solution. Hi, I'm Mark Forche. I'm the president and CEO of Delphinus Medical Technologies, and welcome to our podcast. Uh, this is the first of the Be the Solution series. And uh, all my life, I've been fascinated by innovators that stare at challenges and find new processes and new technologies to find their way around them and find their way through them. Uh, and in this series, we're going to be speaking with those types of innovators. So, so today, I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Rachel Brem. Uh, Dr. Brem is vice chair of radiology at George Washington University and the chief medical officer of the Brem Foundation. Of course, your last name is Brem. That, yes. makes, a lot, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, welcome. Uh, so Dr. Brem, um, I'm, I'm sure. I'm delighted to be here, so thank you. Awesome. Uh, so uh, I am sure in your life you had lots of opportunities to think about different medical specialties, but you chose radiology. Uh, what, was the, what was the reason for that? So in, I was a medical student in the 1980s, and I was a medical student at Columbia in New York, which is where the first real study looking at the impact of mammography on breast cancer was done. And they saw a 20% reduction in the death rate from breast cancer in women who were getting mammography and women who weren't. And in fact, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling to think about the quality of the imaging that was done in the early 80s. But I just decided that I really wanted to be part of that. Uh, you know, if you, if you would take a step back, um, going into medicine was a leap in my family. I, I come from, uh, I wasn't born in this country. I'm an immigrant. My parents obviously were immigrants. Um, and, and they didn't know what a, a woman doctor looked like. There were none. Um, and, and when I was 12, my mother had breast cancer, was given six months to live and lived 44 years. And I'm sure part of that is early detection. So as a young girl, I decided that I would do everything I could to make sure that other families weren't impacted as profoundly as we were by breast cancer. Um, and, and that was the impetus to go into medicine and then uh, being at the right place at the right time in New York where the HIP study was being done um, to really impact the death rate from breast cancer uh, was the motivator for me to go into radiology. Yeah. So uh, really similar thing for me, not, not to go into radiology as a physician, but my mom had breast cancer uh, when I was a young man, and it was a really impactful thing. I spent 30 years of my career in ophthalmology, but saw that there really are unmet needs here for us to address, and I thought uh, this is a great opportunity to do something. So, uh, you know, I left 30 years of ophthalmology to come into this, and when I first entered this space, um, I kept hearing your name a lot mm -hmm. as a person I should be recommended to speak with. And so I reached out to you and I remember uh, the first time that I met with you, I was really impacted by your love for innovation. Uh, you seem someone that really adopts it quickly or uh, kind of an innovator, early adopter. So uh, what, what's your thoughts about that? I mean, what, what makes a great innovation? What, what, do you, what do you see as the value of great innovations? 
So I, I didn't go into medicine just to practice medicine. You know, I saw that by early, early on in my career as a medical student, that by implementing technology, we markedly decreased the death rate from breast cancer to 20%, but it should be 0%. And it was at that time that I realized that if we could find um, impactful, effective, innovative approaches, that we would keep chipping away at the death rate from breast cancer. And, uh, and we have, you know, the death rate from breast cancer has gone down 40% now. And that's mind boggling, but it's 60% too high still, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, until the death rate is zero, um, and that will be achieved with innovation, with technology, with really novel, creative uh, approaches towards breast cancer, whether it be early detection or um, therapies or liquid biopsies. I mean, there's so many exciting mm -hmm. things happening. But for me, um, going into radiology and uh, being involved in technology to keep decreasing the death rate for breast cancer was really uh, the the impetus for me and the motivator for me. And, you know, as a young girl, as a 12-year-old, when my mother had breast cancer, there were so many challenges. Um, I had a, a five-year-old brother, a 13-year-old brother, and she was constantly ill, but never lost the will to live. I mean, she would have done anything to live. And, mm -hmm. you know, she went from this vivacious, redheaded, um, whirlwind person to, to never quite being the same after the breast cancer, although she, you know, she remained um, an important, uh, positive influence. But, um, but it was really a profound change. And, uh, and it was something that was really important for me to mm -hmm. impact. Um, and it was it was selfish as well because I knew deep down inside long before we had genetic testing, long before I realized how deep the breast cancer in our family went, um, I just had this inkling that, that I would be part of that narrative as yeah. well um, and was hoping that we could impact it for people like my mother, myself, and for the you know tens of millions of people that are impacted by cancer. Yeah. Well. Glad, you, glad you've taken that <laughs> as a challenge. So uh, one of the things that I, as I, as I look at your career and things that you've focused your attention on, um, you've done a lot of things with dense breast uh, modalities, technologies, uh, studies. Um, what, what drove you to that? And, and what, uh, what do you see in that as a, a still unmet need? So having dense breast tissue is really a critical issue. When I started out in radiology, we were told not to do ultrasound screening, um, and that really ultrasound was for cyst versus solid and to guide biopsy. But it became evident, increasingly evident, that women with dense breast tissue are the perfect storm, right? that mammography, although in women with predominantly fatty breasts is 90% effective or sensitive, in women with dense breast tissue, it's, it's only about 85 or in some studies 50% or even less effective at identifying early breast cancer. And so, and coupled with that was the fact that women who have dense breast tissue have a significant independent increased risk of developing breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So we, and 
that the population of women with dense breast is not small. You know, um, 40, 50% of women have dense breast tissue. So, uh, you know, here we had the opportunity to answer a critical need, a huge population of women where mammography, although very effective, is much less effective mm -hmm. in a population of women who have such an increased risk, you know, a, a markedly increased risk of developing breast cancer. So we needed to find a solution for that. And in fact, um, it was as, as, as luck would have it, I personally experienced that as well. So um, at the age of 37, at the director of being the director of breast imaging at that time, my role was to uh, identify equipment that we were gonna buy and it was just beginning to be when ultrasound was increasingly being used um, in the mid 90s, in increasingly being used in breast imaging. And so one night after a busy clinical day, I had asked all the vendors to bring their different ultrasound equipments in and <clears throat> wanted to try it out on myself. Uh, just to see the image quality. And so that two things happened in that evening. One is I did find which ultrasound equipment we were gonna buy, and the second is I found my own breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So here, um, it, was, it was prophetic, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we were told not to screen with ultrasound, but screening with ultrasound mm -hmm. found my own breast cancer. And um, this was two weeks before I had been scheduled for prophylactic mastectomies, because I really had, um, recently found out that I was BRCA positive. I had the gene mutation that markedly increases a woman's risk of developing breast cancer, 80% lifetime risk. And, uh, and I really wanted to change my family's narrative. Wow. But as uh, you know, you, you plan and, and uh, you can't always plan. So yeah. I had scheduled for prophylactic mastectomies and um, ended up uh, finding cancer and being treated with uh, for cancer with chemotherapy and mastectomies as well. So, I mean, very personal experience, uh, but thank you for taking that and leveraging that to try and make things better. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I think about a lot is, you know, there are technologies out there that, uh, that um, radiologists can use. Uh, they can use to, to, to try and find uh, cancers in dense breasts, but, uh, it, it, it seems like nothing has quite hit the mark uh, totally uh, and, and answered everything. So what, what's your perspective on that, uh, some of the things that are available now and, and uh, how they fit the need? Yeah. So we found that uh, initially uh, sort of the, the legacy technology of screening breast ultrasound is that it's very effective that we find 25% um, more breast cancers with screening breast ultrasound in women with dense breasts. And the thing to remember about these cancers is that they're really important cancers. And you might say, well, every cancer is important, right? But these are small, invasive, almost predominantly, almost exclusively node negative cancers. So these are killer cancers that if we find early, we can cure. And, um, and so uh, that was early data. Then uh, ABIS came out, uh, mm -hmm. which is automated whole breast ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And we found, well, you know, that data showed that we can find the same number of cancers and it was automated. But, and, and so that's the development of technology and innovation. And I feel very lucky that I was part of that process mm -hmm. as well. But there were a couple of things. One is it really wasn't designed to be done at the same time that a woman is seen. 
Uh, so she would have to come back for another visit, and that would put such a big obstacle in really widespread implementation. The second is that it was uncomfortable, that it is uncomfortable. It requires a fair amount of compression on the mm -hmm. breast, and women do complain about that fairly consistently. And then finally, um, the callback rate is very high. Mm -hmm. It's very high, almost unacceptably high. And so we do have the opportunity to find more cancers, but the callback rate requiring more ultrasound, more biopsies um, was, was is really too high. And I think that's one of the reasons, primary reasons that it hasn't become as widely implemented in clinical practice as one would expect, right? Yeah. So the question is, what? where do we go next? What's the next step, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we have this really effective tool that we've got to improve on so that we can decrease the number of biopsies, do it in a painless way, and do it the same day that the woman comes in. And, um, and that's what I saw uh, by first getting involved with Delphinist yeah. and with Softview, which is, we have the opportunity to find um, early, curable, invasive breast cancers in a painless way because of the way the patient is imaged. She's imaged prone, with her, meaning on her stomach, with her breast hanging in a water bath, a very uh, comfortable position. There's no compression at all. Women find this very comfortable. We do it, it's designed to be done the same day and perhaps perhaps sort of most mind-boggling is that we can do all that um, because of the really novel technology and decrease the number of biopsies. Yeah. We have a tool that we can find more cancers with less callbacks, less negative biopsies. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a humongous transformational uh, contribution to the field that will really take us to the next step. Yeah, of course, of course, I agree with you <laughs> on that part. But uh, you know, one of the things I, I should say, I mean, is you know, hats off to the innovators that went before us. Uh, people that, uh, I mean, innovation can be an evolution, and then all of a sudden one day uh, there's a breakthrough that really advances something, not just in incrementally, but yeah. makes a makes a big change. Yep. Uh, so. You know, as a company, you know, Delphinus, I think we, we, we owe a debt of gratitude to those that took on these challenges before us uh, and gave us uh, things to look at and areas to improve on. And I think we, we took that as a blank slate to, to, to try and advance this. And I, I think one of the things, though, that is probably most novel as I think about uh, Delphinus Softview as an innovation is uh, the triple acoustic detection, seeing mm -hmm. reflection, sound speed, and attenuation, and gathering that data. Um, that is a, that's a critical part of what we did, but uh, it only matters if it does something and gives you value in some way that you don't have now. So I'm curious your thoughts of that and, and what kind of value uh, you see that providing for you. So that, that is you know, a great question because um, I want to step back a second and talk a little bit about this really innovative triad uh, mm -hmm. technology. With traditional ultrasound, you have a transducer that emits a, a wave, right? And, and then the transducer, uh, it bounces off tissue, and that's how the image, of course, is generated. But what we need to do is really talk about tissue properties. And the way we can do that is by not only having reflection 
but transmission. So with the triad technology, we have a ring transducer that can both, so it's kind of like a CT scan where there are transducers um, and uh, opportunities to um, image with both reflection mm -hmm. and sound waves that go through tissue because of the circular transducer where uh, it's through the tissue. And as a result of that, we can get tissue properties. And it's that tissue property component that allows yes. us to not only find more cancers, but to understand the tissue properties to decrease the number of biopsies of benign lesions. And we found an 8% reduction um, in uh, increase in specificity, 8% yeah. re reduction in callbacks. Yeah. Um, but I, I really want to talk about this a little bit further, uh, both in terms of two things. One is um, what's coming ahead, why this is really so important now, mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow, and a little bit further in the future. And then I want to talk about how this might impact healthcare disparity because that's a really big issue with mm -hmm. breast cancer. So right now we have an incredibly powerful tool to help us find these cancers with lower um, reduction in, in biopsies and callback rates. Um, and uh, it looks like, it kind of looks like an MRI. It really looks uh, mm -hmm. like that kind of an image when you look at the image. It's really a novel, uh, it's, it's acquired uh, in coronal images, three-dimensional. And I should add that one of the differences, one of the differentiators between um, Softview and other 3D ultrasound is, be is because the patient is lying prone and because we do have um, the uh, secure mark uh, uh, approach where we can extend the breast, that's probably one of the reasons that we have less false positives as well, because instead of having the breast kind of mushed on your chest wall, right, it's, it's extended. And so like with MR, where you can see the tissue and we know uh, more expanded and we know that that's really important with mammography, with MRI, and undoubtedly with ultrasound. So this new technology has brought that in. But in, in the future, I know that um, we are very excited about the artificial intelligence, the AI, that will help us not only um, analyze the, the lesions that we find, but help us find lesions. And then one of the other things is, you know, we have a lot of physiologic approaches to imaging, but they require an injection, MRI, even contrast-enhanced mammography, um, nuclear medicine imaging of the breast. They all require injection of a compound that we tolerate, but mm -hmm. don't want in our bodies. Yeah. But with ultrasound contrast, which is bubbles, they're just bubbles, then we will have the opportunity very likely, and I'm hopeful that we'll get uh, the kind of MR information that we get real direct vascular physiologic information um, in a non, uh, in a non um, uh, toxic way. Yeah. And then I, I just want to add two, a few more things. Can you tell that I'm excited about that? <laughs> um, a, a few more things. Yeah. We have some very exciting data currently um, with Softview. One is that we can uh, see, identify breast density as well as mammography with no ionizing radiation. So if you think about the impact of that, right? Young women ask all the time, well, what's my breast density? 
we're not going to use ionizing radiation on young women to figure that out, but now we can, particularly as the, the, the uh, incidence of breast cancer, the age at presentation is decreasing. So this is really the first um, reliable uh, demonstration of breast density with no ionizing radiation. Mm -hmm. And another, um, Another indication of the physiologic information we get is we have some really exciting preliminary data that after one round of neoadjuvant chemotherapy using SOFU, we can determine if someone is going to respond based on the characteristics of the tumor of following the neoadjuvant chemotherapy. And wouldn't it be, it's like mind boggling to think that um, we don't have to we subject a woman to multiple rounds of chemotherapy to see if it's gonna work. But we will be able to reliably identify those women whose chemotherapeutic regimen is appropriate for them, and for those that are not, that we could change their chemotherapeutic regimens early on in the course of treatment. So so you're speaking of a number of things that if you know think of you think of this as a platform mm -hmm. that collects because of the triple acoustic detection, collects amazing uh, quantitative data that we can we can do amazing things with for the future, but uh, come back just for a second to uh, patients only get to experience those innovations in the future if they are uh, are able to be seen and screened. That's correct, <laughs> and, and they are exposed to the, t the system. And I think a lot about uh, the impact of patient experience on utilization. And I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I guess about half the women that should be screened don't get screened. Why? Uh, there's a lot of different reasons why. And so uh, things like a water bath, uh, things like finding more cancers, uh, you know, Im improve uh, sensitivity and, um, and just the comfort of the patient experience uh, makes a difference. Uh, so uh, that is in conjunction to workflow. So one of the novel things of the SOFU uh, approval is same-day screening. Mm -hmm. So why does that matter? We know that if a woman has to come back another day for another study, the likelihood that that's gonna happen is gonna be lower. And in communities, uh, underserved communities, that's even more true. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the, oper the, the, de the design, the workflow design of SOFU is such that it is for same day imaging and uh, it is much more efficient. Even imagine that a woman has to come back and get registered again and wait in the waiting room again and all the realities of healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, well, we can do that all at one time and that way, uh, you know, we can really uh, harness the power of this technology to many more women. Um, and that's a really important thing. And the other thing is that it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. A lot of women will uh, be very reticent to repeatedly get screened if it hurts. Mm -hmm. And with SOFU, we know that it doesn't hurt. So it will allow us to obviate the difficulties of ABIS, of the pain that women feel, the mm -hmm. discomfort, um, by having uh, the exam with SOFU. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I, I do want to get back to disparities, healthcare mm -hmm. disparities. The death rate from uh, breast cancer in black women is 40% higher than it is in white women. 
We know that black women have denser breasts as well, and it's very multifactorial. Um, but uh, I, I think this is really going to be um, one of the uh, technologies that we can use to really help leverage um, and, and, and equalize the playing field in breast cancer. And we have a moral obligation to do that because women, black women and certain other populations of underserved women have a much higher rate of triple negative breast cancer, um, which is invasive and very aggressive and really needs to be found early. So we can use this technology to begin to answer some of the real critically important um, disparity issues in breast cancer. Um, and I think that's really exciting and it, it's really important. Yeah, I, I, I think that our entire team is driven by exactly that. I mean, I think we, we look at this as an opportunity to transform clinical thought, practice, access, uh, ability to uh, assist those patients and help those patients. And so it takes really passionate people like you uh, with great ideas uh, that stare at a wall and say, uh, how do we get through that? What can we do technologically to get through it uh, to help us get there? Uh, just one, one, le one last question. I mean, one of the things I think a lot about is, you know, as we do products as, as a, you know, a medical device innovator, uh, I think a lot about the influence of everything around us, you know? So I kind of think of things that I use every day and uh, are, you know, Customers will use them every day, and they impact their way of looking at things uh, in how they weigh medical device technologies. What's a what's a innovation that you particularly like, and and uh, what element of it might you use to measure a medical device by? Well, the the metric that I would use to measure is its impact, its effectiveness. Yeah. Even if something is a wonderful idea. Um, and, and we have to really take it through. Things like liquid biopsies will clearly be an important part of our future. They're not quite ready for prime time yet. But I would take it back more to say um, it's identifying the challenges and trying to find ways, innovative ways of answering them. So for instance, um, the Brem Foundation, which is an, a, a, a 501c3, a nonprofit that a number of patients and I started over uh, almost 20 years ago, um, uh, dedicated to early detection. And so we uh, noticed that in many underserved populations, um, even though mammography is free under the Affordable Care Act, if you can't get to a mammogram, right? If a, if a, if a whole breast ultrasound hurts, then you're not gonna do it. So we, um, even not a technology, using what's around you, um, we said, well, wow, what about if we could take them to their mammograms at no cost? So, you know, we developed a program called Wheels for Women. We partnered with Lyft um, uh, and uh, we now use their front office to help take women, we support women, uh, the transportation needs of women to go get free mammograms, free life-saving mammograms. And if we can you know, continue, I, I think the biggest challenge is identifying the obstacles. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why Softview is so audacious, as you would say, um, because it really looked at, yes, we have breast ultrasound, yes, we have automated whole breast ultrasound, yeah. but why isn't it working? And how can we not only design a way to overcome the challenges 
of why women are, and, and workflow issues are making it difficult for radiologists to implement into clinical practice, but make it even better where we can increase the specificity, the sort of, you know, find, yeah. find the, you know, the answers to the challenges. Yeah. So, you know, I've always, uh, as you know, I've always liked technology. I've always, you know, we, uh, I had the, uh, the 10th Tesla in <laughs> Maryland. Um, my husband had the ninth. Um, <laughs> You know, I've always liked technology. I've always really enjoyed implementing novel, new uh, technologies, but not just for the sake of technologies, yeah. but for the sake of uh, really improving something, you know. And of course, the thing that's most passionate um, for me is is improving breast cancer. Actually, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to, never have this discussion where yeah. breast cancer could be prevented. But until that time, if we can diagnose early curable breast cancer um, with continual innovation and implementation of new technologies, then then we're making the world a better place. And that's why SoftView is so important. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I love the saying, a well-defined problem is nearly solved. And so it takes passionate people, insightful people, uh, people astute in that area, an expert in that area, to identify things and then lay out solutions. And so thanks for the work that you have done in this space. I, I think it's uh, fantastic. Um, I'm sure that uh, there are many people that have benefited from the work that you've done, and we appreciate it, and I've enjoyed working with you. Uh, to our viewers, let me say thank you for being part of this podcast, watching this first episode, and we encourage you to join us again as we speak with innovators that face challenges in their efforts to be the solution.